Welcome to What the If. Happy New Year from the worldwide studios of What the If. I almost said worldwide pants. Oh, uh, that would be nice. Yeah. Yep. Are they still around these days? Now that Letterman's Worldwide on? Pants. It's a good, you know, so Deep Cut. That was the name of uh, David Letterman's production company, Worldwide mm-hmm. Pants. Because uh, at one point, I remember he couldn't, there was some joke that the network said he couldn't say the word pants. Huh. And from then on, I remember he, he then he decided to say pants as often as he could. And then he renamed his company worldwide pants so that every show ended with had to say it <laughs> yeah big production I did not know that story that's interesting yes yes that is how i remember it um but uh, we are not worldwide pants although pants is is often a topic um we have destroyed the universe uh with pants with and without yeah. and without both yeah um, either one of those could destroy the universe and in these days of uh zoom and teleconferencing who knows who's wearing pants or not that's right. That's right. So, uh, so much for the conspiracy of big pants. Uh, you know, Levi's, they, we thought they had a hold on the world, but uh, turns out not so much. No. Um, in fact, it could be a conspiracy by big underwear. <laughs> big uh, pajama. Well, that's right. Exactly. To, uh, yeah, the fruit of the loom is finally trying to. Yeah. Move. Take over. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get right to it. Um, first, we have. Uh, uh, well, say what I'm gonna save it. So at the end, stay tuned. By the way, we're gonna we're we're gonna start doing uh, we're gonna start doing reader mail um, at the end of the show. So stay tuned. We'll have some fun letters uh, that you guys have sent in. Uh, but we're today we're gonna get right to right to the if which is. Contributed by one of our longtime, uh, most dedicated listeners, Tom, from Ashburn, Virginia. Um, and by the way, I wasn't sure where yeah, Ashburn, Virginia is. Turns out it's uh, one of the D.C. suburbs. I grew up just across the Potomac River in uh, Maryland, huh, cool. County. And uh, Ashburn is known as one of the hubs of the Internet. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yes, there is a lot of Internet connectivity there. So, um all that aside, Tom uh, wrote in and he said, what the if? And then I'll, I will read it. But at first, I want to tell you, listeners, if you're thinking, what the if? If you've got an if, be like Tom and send it in. Feedback at whattheif.com or go to whattheif.com right there. You can just send us a, there's a suggestion box. You can type your message. And... Tom says, what the if? Everything was recorded. (laughs) Oh, the irony. (laughs) And available to everyone. He says, I wonder if we could time travel into the past using VR to any time that we've recorded. So, wow. Yeah, the irony that we're doing. I, this is, I don't know if Tom's a podcaster. He is a longtime listener of science podcasts, including ours, for two, two years or so, a long time. And um, what if everything was recorded and available to everyone? That sounds like a podcast. But I think, <laughs> I think, what he, I think Tom is thinking bigger than that, as he a should. A little bigger, yeah. Living in the hub of the internet, as he does. Um, he says uh, the idea came to him. Uh, this started when I thought about the singularity. And he means, by the, some of you may have recognized this, by the way, we, we read uh, this letter or a portion of it uh, during our mailbag episode, our holiday episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I was confused. And when he said singularity, I was thinking like a black hole singularity, physical singularity. He's talking about what is what is the singularity, Matt? Uh, um, uh, the singularity is this sort of um, uh, hypothesized event that will uh, occur when computing power 
begins rivaling that of um, uh, the human brain. Um, and it's suggested uh-huh. that we'll get this sort of symbiosis of uh, the, the human mind and electronic computers, and we'll start uploading our consciousness and things like that. Right, right. And wait, sort of basically like a run that uh, once computing power gets so powerful uh, and fast that it'd almost be like a runaway effect in terms of the yeah that's right i think and do. i think that's the the reasoning behind the the choice of the term singularity as suggesting that it will be a a discontinuity in human civilization and human evolution maybe yeah yeah well even that i, I think a little, some of it comes from the idea of a graph and uh if you were graphing computer power, you were graphing something, <laughs> computing power or something, uh, at a certain point, it would go uh, nonlinear, perhaps, as they say, or it basically would shoot straight up. Yes, I think that's the idea. Yeah. And then it's like, what's going on? So um, it's sort of like a, a much bigger idea. We, we've actually experienced things like this. For instance, that it kind of felt like the internet suddenly just arrived, like this huge evolution. Uh, well, I mean, actually, that's, so that's a, a thing worth thinking about, that, of course, the, the Internet did not suddenly arrive. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, but, uh-huh. Uh, you know, and, and when you ask different people when they first became aware of the Internet, um, you'll get answers from you know, early 80s when they saw war games for the first time to when they got their first email address in 1992 uh, right. to yeah. Yeah. Uh, their first encounter with the video on the web in 1998 or, yeah. uh, you know, watching strong, bad videos in 2000, whatever. Um, so the internet evolved to the, the thing we know it today over the course of 30 or 40 years. Um, but everybody remembers some distinct experience with it as their first. Right, right. And this is much bigger than that. So, yes. uh, all right. So we'll continue. And in fact, maybe this is a little different, but maybe, you know, what the, if we experience the singularity, actually, that'd be kind of interesting. That would be a different uh, one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, continuing, he says, uh, Tom says, uh, this started when I thought about the singularity. And he says, if we exist in a virtual world, uh, and then I think what he's saying there is that, for instance, virtual reality is coming around. And suppose um, you could live in in a virtual world almost indistinguishable from reality, mm-hmm. kind of like the holodeck. In fact, he mentions the holodeck a little yes. later here. Uh, if we exist in a virtual world, can we go to any time in the past as any singularity entity since the singularity began? then how is that different from time travel? Mm-hmm. Let me, I'll continue. It becomes a little more clear. I definitely imagine this would be a movie. Excellent. <laughs> it's uh, way better than the podcast. The podcast was okay, but the movie was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everything recorded, quote. So it's like going back in your own memory, except you have all collected memory available from any recording device or meaning like if every person recorded their memories, you would have access to everybody's memories. Potentially, this could also include any individual that decides to back up our brains in some digital fashion, right? It'd be cool to interact, but I don't see how that'd be possible unless you add a bunch of other variables, like some data analysis that converts the recordings into interactive objects, a la the holodeck. I love, by the way, Tom, I love how well thought out you've, like how deep he's right. clearly pondered this in some detail. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he finishes up, for the singularity, I'm thinking that if we decide to, quote, move our brains into computers, at that point, we could have full interaction with every other networked individual. And at that point, we could relive anyone's memories from any time. So um, what the if... Uh, Everything was recorded and available to everyone. That was his thesis mm-hmm. statement. So, um, real quick, quick question: When might such a thing happen? Like, I, I've heard that the at one point I think they said oh, the singularity was proposed to be 1999. I could be wrong. Yeah, so I should say the singularity as a concept is really poorly defined, and okay, it's, a, it's one of these classic things that you'll just people will just keep hand waving 
into the future right. Um, right. until they decide it has already happened. So right. don't stress don't. much. <laughs> don't stress exactly. much about that. Um, the, when the, the Terminator shows up, you'll the, know. The question of when everything will be recorded um, is something that we might be able to get a, a little more attraction on. Um, yeah. So we're imagining a situation where, I guess, everybody wears a camera on them um, yeah. that is recording things uh, 24-7. Um, so, Which means, by the way, pants usage will go up again. I'm guessing because if everything is recorded all the time, um, you know, we'll we'll be like, do you want your uh, descendants? Well, it, it kind of depends on whether modesty or exhibitionism comes to yep. dominate society, yep. right? But that's um, true. That's true. I mean, judging I, from the sort of things that people already <laughs> upload to you're right their Instagram accounts or whatnot. That's right. Just yeah. they're not thinking about this. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. So do we have the technology today that we could record everything? Um, I think the answer to that is probably yes, right? If we, um, if you just strapped your smartphone to your forehead um, and turned on record, uh, that's technologically possible. Um, I don't know off the top of my, I need to crunch some numbers to see how much like how big a uh uh how much memory you would need on a phone to make that a feasible project actually i happen to know such numbers intimately because we film i film things and how much i'm going to be able to film before my space runs out is um always a factor or always on my mind Mm -hmm. um and uh it turns out that it doesn't matter anymore anyway because you are uploading it to the cloud Okay, cool. Interesting. So as, as long as the, the cloud is expanding rapidly, um, then we've, and that seems entirely right. And, and in fact, there is, there is a question. Okay, well, let, let me take that back a little bit because there's a question of how, what quality are you recording at? For instance, uh, anyone who has a phone or any digital camera, but let's say if you got an iPhone, pro tip, just because I'm also a documentary film teacher, Mm-hmm. Uh, get an app. You can be filming with your default app on the phone. That's fine. But if you get an app, for instance, Filmic Pro, it's kind of the industry standard, it allows you to adjust some of the settings. And one of the settings you can adjust is bit rate, for instance, and resolution. Basically, you can turn the quality way up. Huh. And that means um, you're recording in much higher quality, but that is going to fill your phone or whatever storage device you're using a lot more quickly. So the interesting question, another interesting question would be, um, where will compression, you know, a, a lot of the, by the way, a lot of this has to do with compression. They do a lot of magic. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. uh, every year the files actually get, the, the files get smaller, but the quality stays the same as they get better at learning how to compress things. But to compress something, you know, on the level of the holodeck, would you, who knows nice. what that would be? Yeah, that's right. So that's an important question out there. So if we just wanted to record what's going on in the sense of we want to know what everyone is having for lunch, that's doable right now. Um, But and and is being uploaded to Twitter constantly. um, Yeah, but we're I think Tom's imagining something a little even more expansive than that, which is you say to yourself right now, what is um, Boris Johnson having for lunch? Um, and then you say, uh, all right, I don't care what Boris Johnson is having for lunch. I want to know what this random person in Mumbai is Uh, having for lunch, right? The third person from the left in this restaurant in Mumbai, I want to know what they're having for lunch. Um, and that would, that's not, uh, that's actually, so this is an important distinction that's technologically doable. Um, but it's not a thing that's happening. So a question you might ask is why? Why are, um, I mean, there's clearly some kind of urge since as you say, you can go on Instagram and see lots of people having lunch. Um, Not everyone seems to feel the need to do that yet. Um, And that's, I don't know, personal preference, social pressure, cultural issues. Yeah. Um, Yeah. but if we imagine a point at which that happens, that could be tomorrow if people set their well, mind to it. Right. 
and in fact, we're already going down this road a little bit. I actually remember way back in, it might have been in 1999 or ish, late 90s, uh, Wired Magazine, which is where I also learned about the singularity for the first time. Um, you know, as, as digital cameras and digital technology started to come around, um, there was a guy who, he might have even been doing it in some sort of non-digital form. There was a guy who like carried a camera around his neck. And he would take, it might have been Polaroid pictures. He took like a picture every minute, but certainly there was a digital version at some point. And it just, he, he, I think he's probably still out there and taking those, he had, it was set like just to automatically record a picture each time. And uh, that's because then that's all you could do. Uh, recording yeah. video was very hard. So mm -hmm. he stepped it up. Then you started to get websites. There was a website called Justin TV, I believe. And people started, they turned on basically as, it's like having a surveillance camera in their home. Mm -hmm. And they just left it on 24-7. We now call that live streaming. Right. And there's a mm -hmm. ton of people live streaming. And there are web, you know, the whole webcam thing. Like you you can, I can't, I can't pick a specific person in Mumbai at a particular restaurant right now, but I can watch a ferret or a panda, <laughs> right? Or a bald eagle well, that's all right. over the world. I can um, look at beaches. I you know, there's a million. Of these uh, yeah. Things. So that's interesting. So I think the, one of the takeaways there then is that our, um, the urge to create this kind of situation has been with us for some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I suppose if you really wanted to press it, you could go back to pre-electronic mediums like memoirs and diaries are an attempt to, to recreate this, the same sort of thing. <laughs> Although um, it is, I'm going to make a note for a future. If what would live streaming have been like in the analog era or the pre, <laughs> even pre-electronic like that you didn't you didn't write a letter that would be like constantly writing a letter and mailing it or posting it i don't know um yeah so, that's right <laughs> and that's all okay. yeah um so uh all right so but maybe the the reference to the singularity here is suggesting that we are looking for something um uh, qualitatively different here and that's the the vr situation um, yes in which we can not just know what the person in Mumbai is eating for lunch, but experience their lunch for ourselves. All right. So we get the taste oh, of the wow. food yeah. and the smell of the restaurant and whether the chair is comfortable and what wow. the person next to us is talking about. Um, is it cold? Is it hot? Um, uh, things like that. I don't know if um, I, it, it seems, I think if we're doing the holodeck, we're still in the realm of, um, sensory experience at least so we don't have to worry about things like emotional state is that person in mumbai happy or oh sad? interesting right in the holodeck could you smell things um i don't know if it was ever explicitly said um yeah. you can eat things in the holodeck so you must be able to smell things as well mm -hmm. that, would be, that would be a totally unacceptable um uh, failure if they didn't have smell on the holodeck yeah for sure for sure um uh, and so um, it's just, it's basically here. Here's what it comes down to. And, and what's interesting is I once uh, uh, was writing a an idea for a movie, and I was writing a screenplay that I did not finish, which is why I now, now and why I what I was making documentaries before then, and that is why I am still making documentaries. <laughs> making it up is so hard. Uh, why should I do that when I can just go outside? Um, but uh, I had an idea, this is a little wacky, but I was like, what if all our memories, all, our, all a similar kind of thing, what if all experience of all people was recorded in full resolution in some capacity and was being stored on the moon? Hmm. Because okay. what if, uh, that we didn't know it, right? We didn't know this was going on, but in fact, through panspermia or something, you know, aliens who wanted to record everything um had basically uh, maybe they had created us even for this reason I'm, i didn't get that far or they had simply sent something which wound up in our dna that was beaming our everything that we were sensing and with all our senses beaming that constantly up to uh the moon and then okay. and then i did a whole what the if thing as to how this would work and it was stored underneath the moon. And then we then start going to the moon and we start exploring like lava tubes and underground in the moon. And we find all this stuff. So the idea being. Oh, I see. Okay. 
it's a little bit similar to what Tom was saying, but the idea being, what if you suddenly, like, we can, like, in fact, just just recently, this was an amazing discovery. They just, <laughs> they unearthed a fast food restaurant in Pompeii. Oh, from Pompeii, yeah. Right? And uh, you could see the bowls, you could, there were even the mosaics showed fish, and, you know, it was, it was like a counter, like a, like a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a food counter. Yeah, and amazing. And um, so what if you suddenly unearthed, like, so here, the equivalent of that would be you, Tom was even saying, this is being recorded everywhere, right? So right. you could, you wouldn't have to unearth so much as you would go, you would log on to a digital library of Alexandria kind of thing, and you would be able to dial back to, um, you wouldn't be able to go back to the time of Pompeii because this technology didn't exist yet. Right. So we can go only go back to, back the, to the, the moment when this sort of thing begins. Right. Um, uh, and that's okay. Um, I mean, one thing to, to ponder here is that, of course, there's uh, enormous privacy implications here. Uh, yeah. Is this suggests that because um, if we're really doing 24-7, everything is recorded, uh, yeah. then you don't turn off your camera when you get in the shower and you don't uh, turn off the camera um, at that at any moment. Yeah. So now I can know not just what Boris Johnson is having for lunch, um, but I can also know about his pillow talk with his wife, um, right. which frankly must be horrible. <laughs> I don't I don't want to do that, but I could. Um, uh, yeah. I think the pillow talk is this Boris, are you gonna are you gonna brush your hair today? <laughs> Stop you are on television. Yeah. You are on television again today with messy hair. I do not understand. Mm -hmm. Um but the weirdest thing is it's kinda like there's that amazing movie by Charlie Kaufman. Uh I think if, in fact I think it was his first movie, a first popular one. Um being John Malkovich. Uh, yep. In which somebody just through weird magic finds a portal, uh, a door that they can walk through, and suddenly they are inside John Malkovich's head yep. uh, in real time. Right. Now, again, it's not a recording or something like that, but the experience, you, what, right. what's so yep. cool about that movie is it's a full-on first-person experience, and it's really well mm -hmm. done. Yeah, and know? actually, so I should say it's a fantastic movie. Um, yeah. And really mind bending, so beware. Um, I watch it with my daughters um, for the first oh. time. I don't know, a couple of months ago, maybe. Um, oh wow! And uh, they were quite taken with it. Um, <laughs> uh, but so I should say one of the important distinctions in that film is that most people, when they go inside the head of John Malkovich, just get to watch and experience. Mm -hmm. Right? They they feel what it is like, as you say, to feel what it's like to be him in real time. Mm -hmm. um, but it's purely a spectator thing. Um, and then kind of the movie takes off when this one character, John Cusack's character, discovers that he can not only watch, but also control. So he can change yeah. what John Malkovich is doing. And that's kind of where the, the movie takes off. Yeah. Um, but with our um, VR historical VR time travel, it's a similar sort of thing um, in that we are only going to be able to watch um, what has happened in the past is still set and hasn't and, and is not changeable. So even if you go back and experience being Abraham Lincoln for the day, you can't prevent your own assassination. Okay. Um, right. So this is, so if we're using the kind of the time travel analogy here, there's one way of thinking about time travel where historical events are set and fixed and you can't. Now you've just, them. Yeah, you've just touched on something really incredible. Like I hadn't quite gotten there yet, but the uh, the intense it's it's funny because being John Malkovich, there are some intimate moments. Uh, I should say so. Yes, it's intense, but like it's not, you know, uh, it's not being Abraham Lincoln and knowing you're going to be assassinated. Uh, that is like, can you imagine? That sounds kind of incredible. Um, so. Uh, how is this going to change culture, for instance? I, I feel like that would be one of the biggest things that we're already sort of seeing. You know, we live in kind of a surveillance society, right? We're slowly going there anyway. Um, mm -hmm. 
goes all through our culture. Big Big Brother, the TV show. Facebook yeah, that's right. Itself. And and some people, as as you say, we've seen today, is some people would certainly embrace this. So I have no doubt yeah. that you know one of the Kardashians, and I can't tell any of them apart. Um, one of the Kardashians yeah. is going to be the first person to sign on for this. And, yeah. you know, you probably su- subscribe, you know, you pay your $5 a month and then you get to uh, have access to all of their memories. Um, and uh, surely those celebrities will, uh, let's see here, uh, organize their lives such that uh, it's worth for people to pay $5. So there's not going to be any, you know, time gardening or um, mucking out the uh, garbage disposal, right? Everything is going to be carefully designed to be interesting and experiential. Right. Or these things would be edited out. I realize this is also the Black Mirror has touched on this kind of thing a few mm-hmm. times. Um, the show Black Mirror. Um, because t- as Tom, Tom is saying, these are things that are recorded. There's a difference between tuning in in real time and tuning into the recordings. Um, yes, that's well, that's a good point. That's right. So it might be that um, uh, then I can imagine uh, if we're not, if people aren't always following along in real time, there will be particular moments that get replayed over and over and over again um, for whatever reason, right? So everybody wants to um, watch this particular uh, Kardashian um, open her Christmas present, it's a really good present. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, that, you know, again, it's okay. and again and again. Right now, here. Okay, here's something amazing. All right, so, um, uh, first of all, let me also note, just by the way, because all these, uh, just realizing how often this kind of thing is taken up in science fiction. There was a movie, really interesting movie by Douglas Trumbull, um, who has not done a lot of movies of his own. He he was the special effects wizard behind 2001 and. I believe Star Wars, Close Encounters. Anyway, he was like one of the great special effects pioneers. He did direct Silent Running, which is an amazing movie, science fiction. Mm-hmm. Movie. Oh yeah, beautiful with Bruce Dern, and uh, and then he did. Then he decided to get into uh, creating. This is a fascinating story. Uh, old, he wanted to see how high resolution. What's the highest resolution film projection? you needed to make it feel like so when you go to an IMAX theater and you experience it it's it's very powerful you get a sense of vertigo for instance and things like that yeah. but still it's still you know not quite he was wondering can i go further and he had a sense he, he actually also i think believe was one of the early IMAX pioneer and stuff but um he uh recognized that it wasn't necessarily size that had anything to do with it it was the the quality the resolution of the image Mm -hmm. and so for him that he could get the highest film quality he could get um but also frame rate and so he he uh in fact that's one of the reasons virtual reality has taken so long to come around is because you very high frame rate so he he experimented with that and he came up with the frame rate whatever it was i think actually wasn't something insane it was like 60 frames a second or something um and then he built these custom theaters only a few of them and it was called ShowScan. And uh, it was a little bit like a Cinerama theater. It wasn't like a dome, but it was, you know, a curved screen, but nothing you know, that unusual. It's, you can see curved screens, uh, Cinemascope. It was sometimes shown that way. Um, and But he, he incredibly high-tech uh, sound system. And uh, I remember seeing it. It was, an atta- it was attached to Chuck E. Cheese. Was, ah. By the way, Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> shout out to our the amazing uh, yeah. Gabby Panicia. Uh, we do a show on uh, Mondays. And uh, Chuck E. Cheese was featured heavily in that, <laughs> and will be again. Uh, anyway, but yeah, he just he struck a deal with Chuck E. Cheese somehow to build several of these just around the country. There were not many to start out with these these show scan theaters, and they showed little movies just like you know like a little demo reel, just like mm-hmm. they did with Cinerama and IMAX. Anyway. And I went there and uh, saw this movie, and then he made a real movie called Brain Scan that I believe was meant to be shown in the ShowScan theaters, but somehow I, I don't know that that worked out. And, you know, BrainScan was just a movie that got released and you could see it. Uh, this must have been in the 80s or early 90s at the latest. And it was, again, what if you could record your brain, everything you see, 
and sense with all your senses, including your emotion. And the funny thing is, I remember it's recorded on tape. It's like really thick oh. <laughs> silver tape or something like that. But one of the implications he touches on is that mild spoiler alert, but you, you, you learn how the different characters are affected by it in different ways. And, and there's one character who um, basically turns on like uh, pornography and it's so vivid. It's so, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, Little John Malkovich has a little bit of this too, um, but what this guy does is he's so addicted to it he is he literally creates a loop of the tape. So basically, it plays as an endless loop, mm -hmm. and he goes insane, or he, he's just he's just trapped watching this thing over and over and over. And that seems entirely plausible to me. I can yeah. completely imagine that people would uh, spend hours at a time reliving one particularly exciting thirty seconds from. Katy Perry's honeymoon or something. Yeah. Well, and there are um, people with internet, you know, internet addiction is a big thing. Mm -hmm. um, um, and yeah. as I think, as you suggest, as, as VR gets better in terms of things like frame rate and immersibility, um, mm -hmm. that will get worse and worse. Um, and, you know, the, I, I think the fear that, as you suggest, things like Black Mirror and other sci-fi, um, pieces over the years have suggested is that people will come to uh, prefer the recorded experience to real experience. So yeah. instead of going out and um, having going on dates and having their own romantic encounters, they will just relive Katy Perry's romantic oh. encounters over and over and over again and not bother <laughs> leaving home. Yeah, and then eventually it won't even be it won't you know Katy Perry is a real person. It'll be a fictional person. I mean, why? Um, why? Well, so I say that's sort of the next step beyond here. I think is that yeah. if we uh, once everything is recorded, um, then the, the question of whether we can make false recordings can can we make fictional things that are as real as these recorded experiences? Um, right. Yeah, and then the sky is the limit. Um, and then we get to the Matrix, I guess, which is one of the kings of this, uh, mm -hmm. or, yeah. or queens, because, you know, um, uh, of this whole genre. So you, you're living in a simulated environment that's indistinguishable from reality to the point where you may forget that there was another world. Um, and uh, what strikes me is that the edited version, for instance, like the card, you know, you, you, people manufacturing a life or a story or something like that would certainly be preferable to real life with its randomness. And well, that would be, hope, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's the same reason that people watch TV today, right? You, you're yeah, short yeah, of a happy yeah. ending. Um, if that's what you're into. Um, or if you want to see a, if you want to be scared, you go watch horror movies. Um, but uh, once you can fully control that, then, I don't know if we end up in a Wally -E or idiocracy type situation um, yeah. where everyone is just reliving. Um, so it doesn't, now it's not even 30 seconds from uh, Katy Perry's honeymoon, um, right. but we just watched the Death Star blow up over and over and over again um, from the, the full experience of Luke Skywalker in his X-Wing. So that would be super cool. Mm -hmm. I was imagining a horrific version in which, looking to the present, and this is what great science fiction does, right? It looks to the present for the indication of the future, try to extrapolate. And if we imagine Facebook becoming the Matrix, remember, that, again, mild spoiler in the Matrix, there is, there is somebody running it, the architect. Right? Yeah. And uh, so, so Mark Zuckerberg... Mm -hmm. Is essentially imagine if Facebook was full on the Matrix, right? So instead of just reading comments from people and seeing their photographs of their kids and whatever, you would be you <laughs> scrolling or the, the notion of scrolling, whatever that would be, would be so mind-boggling. But I think that's <laughs> that's actually where you would get because up till this moment, I think we've both been imagining it as sort of like you turn on a single experience and now I'm there. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be Abraham Lincoln for this whole thing. But imagine actually the real thing, and this really gets very Black Mirror esque, although I don't know if I've seen this exact thing. Imagine scrolling through realities, <laughs> like 
which is coming. Uh, yeah. I mean, virtual mm -hmm. VR is here. I've got a VR headset right here. I got to connect it. Um, so you just be whipping by and now it's like, oh, you're not seeing all your friends' kids. You're holding them or you're giving birth to them. Right. Uh, yeah, that's or right. You're burning uh, some, you might be burning a, a politician in effigy who you actually like, but now you're feeling the rage of the other person. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what that does. Yeah, and the analogy of scrolling, I think, is an interesting one here, too, and that I had been yeah. thinking that this would end in an, an obsessive, compulsive kind of thing where people are doing the same thing over and over again. But actually, right. maybe it's the opposite, which is, as you say, they spend five minutes, five seconds as this person, and then five seconds as this person, and five seconds as this person, um, uh, without any kind of depth or actual connection. Um I think that's what Facebook and Twitter, but Facebook in particular, discovered, right? Is that yeah, that's scrolling right. That's is what people will do. Yeah. It didn't always do that, right? It used to be regular pages, and you'd have to click a button that said more or scroll mm -hmm. down or something, but you would reach the bottom. And then it would, anyway, um, but once they discovered the infinite scroll, yeah. So I'm actually, I'm getting a little nauseous. <laughs> Thinking of like a lot of people infinite, get nauseous on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And VR also. Um, but yeah, you'd be constantly hunting for something. All, oh, it, yeah, you know, I think what would happen is that actually, and this is it will be interesting to see when VR really picks off and we do start spending more and more and more extensive time in VR, which I think is going to happen. Mm -hmm. may take a while, but um, will you be, I, I imagine you will have to become dull to things. So imagine, right, you can certainly get numb to Facebook and finally... Mm -hmm. get sick of it although unfortunately you can it can distort your sense of time um but anyway you can imagine it it just part of the reason i think you're scrolling is because it's it's no matter what it is it's just the same same old thing right and our brains seem to automatically like well one of our survival skills is that okay nothing's changing so i can sort of turn off a bit right it's the differences that you need to be aware of um suddenly there's a tiger there was not a tiger before but if it's like constantly, oh yeah, tigers are always jumping at me constantly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> rolling to the next tiger. Um, uh, you then what happens? What 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 happens if you are subjected? It's interesting. So I was imagine that scene in Brain Scan was showing a guy like just sort of stuck, even though he was watching, kind of watching the same movie again because he was experiencing it. I think the idea was that it was it never got tiring or something. Mm -hmm. He was, he didn't have any perspective on it. He was living in that moment. He was trapped in that moment. Um, but what if it's really more like you really are just like sick of, there's no reality you come upon. Maybe there's a Renaissance. Would um, that, that would be nice. People yeah. take it off again and they realize they real, then it is like the matrix. They realize actually the world is a garbage dump or it's like Wally. Mm -hmm. like, oh no. And they go right back in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, here is one thing I wanted to get to. My favorite thing, though, is, and because you're a historian, I think there's a huge positive thing here. We've, we've skipped over, and this would be a fun place to end. For history, this would be incredible, right? It's got to be the dream of every historian or any person who's interested in history mm -hmm. to, I remember the book, uh, what is it, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. But just the idea that you could mm -hmm. suddenly go back to back into the past and be there. Yeah, and actually experience uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we would find that everything we've thought about history is wrong. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, it's, uh, I guess we're always, you know, the big problem with history is always availability of sources, how much information has actually survived from the past. Yeah. Um, so on one hand, it would be great to have that complete information. Um and we'd surely have lots of ideas proved wrong and such. Um, it would also be become really dull to be a historian, though. Um, it's not much fun trying <laughs> to figure things out when you have all of the information at hand. Although I think what would happen is, I mean, you know, there's a... It's tough to gain... I mean, one of the things about history is it does... It does by... You're sort of forced to, but you have a, you have a perspective. You're able to look... At the big picture, you're able to see connections probably in a way. So 
it would be a totally what you would be adding to the historical record is the experience of what it was like to be an individual there and you could whip you know as a historian it'd be your project would be like okay if i really want to sense the, what was life like in um massachusetts at the time of the boston tea party or something i could go there and flip through a bunch of different you know suddenly it's like okay this is how it was for mm -hmm. this person and this kind of person and this kind of person and this kind of person um and in here you know oh, this is, i'm british soldier now oh wow this is totally different uh da -da -da. um i'm i'm infuriated that they're throwing my tea in the yes. i need that tea. <laughs> i'm british um <laughs> into the harbor uh but still, it, it, in some sense, it would be overwhelming in a way that actually big data today, I think, is overwhelming scientists. And, mm -hmm. uh, too much. Yeah, and there's some, um, I think, uh, hovering over that, too, is the opportunity cost problem, which is, which I guess we've alluded to already, which is that the, the more time you spend uh, experiencing the past, the less time you spend having original experiences here in the present. Um, and uh, the, the consequences oh. of that are likely to be severe. Okay, so this is this is where it winds up that you, um, first of all, you can these recordings are only available in the time since the recordings technology became available, right? So unfortunately, we you won't be able to. It really kind of sucks because like I want to go back and see. I want to meet King Tut, right? You could literally see the world through King Tut's eyes. If this, okay, but fine. Um, Let's say if it started in 2020, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sounds the worst, right. The worst yeah. thing in the world came in 2020. And um, this technology got started. So let's jump ahead uh, 50 years. And now, you know, we are wherever we are and we decide to start looking into the past has become the, the biggest entertainment, right? It's totally basically displaced reality TV and all that, and fiction and all that kind of stuff. Because you can just, everyone does this. So you just... And uh, there'd be big shows like because somebody could compile a bunch of these like, hey, you know, uh, we've we've taken, um, you know, this is the real life of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Right, exactly. <laughs> live, forget him in movies, right? It's like you live his life. And anyway, um, uh, but at a certain point, as you work your way forward in time, watching these recordings, you discover that you. Every single person you try, you go into their mind, what they had recorded, and it was them watching a recording of somebody else. And so uh, yes. and they, they were scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You get a recursive problem. Yeah. There's this infinite loop of they are all scrolling really fast. And, you know, 50 years later, people are really scrolling fast. And what they're scrolling through is people scrolling. And on and on and on and on and on, it just becomes like a, I don't know. Imagine like, um, you know, when the the video you suddenly hit high speed on the fast forward on the thing, and you just see the images going really fast. It just becomes a blur. Mm. <laughs> and what happens now? This is another kind of singularity. So what happens to the human race at that point? Yeah, I don't know. It's not a pretty scene, though. <laughs> well somebody hits stop and uh, actually that's that i think that's what would happen that some somebody hits stop and they become the next buddha basically they right <laughs> yeah, that would be nice and they just start running around stop hit stop hit stop why do i keep hearing hit stop what is that <laughs> who's saying that? Um, and uh, that person is left behind and is just crazy and starves to death because no one else. Uh, yes, and whether or not that's that is the fate of all of humanity, I guess. Is yeah, yeah. The question. Yeah. The last thing, re this is a real thing. In fact, this happening with virtual reality. I think one of the most amazing things about virtual reality that we even have now is you can, and and people are beginning to make games. You could call them or experiences, virtual reality experiences, where you can experience the world as someone very different than you. For sure. Instance, somebody made one. Mm -hmm. This is what it's like to be in a wheelchair. And uh, it's still just a movie. You don't have all the feelings of the person, but you know, you, you really makes a big difference. And that there's a game. It's like, okay, you are now in an environment, and it just looks like a house or whatever. But you're you're in a wheelchair, so you say, oh wow, yeah, I can see how things are different. And going all the way back to the beginning, to wrap up, you said, for instance, what would it be like? You imagine what would it be like to sort of say, oh, 
not what's a famous person eating, but a person in Mumbai, you know, in this particular restaurant, like, what are they eating? You can tune that in. And that made me think, you're going to very quickly come upon someone who has no food. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Mumbai or around Mumbai or, you know, mm-hmm. and the United States everywhere, right? The vast majority, you're going to, if the ex- first person experiences of all people are accessible equally, and that is kind of where the internet is going, um, you will, may, may, maybe that would be a positive thing. It would make for an unpleasant experience. But that would, that's an interesting idea, right? So it'd be, yeah. uh, this enormous resurgence of empathy because you could finally yeah. experience other people's um, experience of the world. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, boy, if you could feel, you could imagine just scrolling, you decide to pick some area. And I'm gonna, like I said, oh, you go to Boston and scroll through all the people there at a particular time. Um, you could go to anywhere in the world, and there's all too many of them, <laughs> places mm-hmm. where, you know, you could go to Sudan or something and say, I'm not going to flip through all that. And then I'm going to jump to a totally different part of the world. And, if you choose by randomness, you've just random the vast because the number of people who are living in poverty vastly outnumbers everyone of any other uh, strata. Other situation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your odds are you can hit, and so maybe for the first time you would get a a visceral experience. This is something we try to do with documentaries: convey a visceral right. experience. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, a visceral experience of what really is going on in the world. That would be profound. Yeah, that would be um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And let's say, look, the the the, the recordings that were, you know, uh, recordings of, uh, for instance, police brutality and things like that that are happening, um, are kind of the early, early, early version of that. You know, um, when you have that visceral experience, you really changes your how much you're active to to make a change as opposed mm-hmm. to just hearing stories about yeah that would be great i like it yeah 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 all right 2021 (laughs) that's right the the year of empathy the year that would be great Mm -hmm. we need a year year just one year just one year that's all and uh yeah then it's then it's back to uh well we just had i think we just had four years of sadism or something so (laughs) So, yeah so no rush to uh uh, have another one of those exactly exactly um Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this experience. I hope it didn't make you too nauseous. Um, <laughs> today was sponsored by Alka-Seltzer. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. An old uh, thing. And uh, um, thank you to Tom from uh, Ashburn, Virginia, for this super mind, I don't say mind bending, mind expanding, mind blurring uh, suggestion. And now I'm going to do... Um, uh, we're going to start ending uh, each week with uh, letters from that we receive from you guys. Uh, and, uh, well, this music is really going to be refreshing now after that, that very dark, intense thing. And I'm going to the mailbag. Ah, 2021. And our, uh, our letter to the uh, editor, uh, our uh, listener mail, this uh, week comes from Tom. Uh, literally today, literally like a, a, an hour or two before we happened to start recording, completely coincidentally, uh, Tom wrote in, and um, he had he had an idea for an if, and I, I encourage you all to send those in, and uh, we'll read them here sometimes, and then you know certain ones of them will wind up becoming entire shows, uh, like this one has today. Tom wrote in uh, with another idea. He said, "What if we had a medication that worked against viruses?" in the same way that antibiotics work against bacteria. And he says, I have to think that there would be profound medical and societal effects. And he says, this if is thanks to Gabby's medical contributions over the past year. She is the best addition to the show. That's right. Uh, We agree. Um, And Tom is talking about our Monday program. Uh, which formerly was What the If News, when we talked all about the virus each week, and now is Fantastic Voyage. Check it out. Uh, Lastly, Tom says, unrelated to that, my son and I just finished uh, Ready Player Two, which also developed my time travel through VR idea 
uh, I guess I'm not alone. Mm. I did not know about Ready Player Two. Did, is that uh, a movie out or a book? Uh, no, it's a book. That's the okay. sequel to Ready Ready Player One. Um, right, right. Came out several years ago. All right, fantastic. Go to whattheif.com, and uh, right there in the uh, contact us box on the front page, just uh, send in your ideas and thoughts and questions, uh, critiques, compliments. That's all nice. Also. Leave us a review. Start off the new year. Make it your resolution. If you have not, if you've been listening for a while, especially, and you have not left us a rating and a review using your podcast app, that would be fantastic. We are on a ton of different platforms. I'm trying to be on all of them um, simultaneously. But, yeah. So, well, you can, right? You know. So, we're on Spotify. We're on um, Overcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. Obviously, Google Play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so uh, if, by the way, um, we're not on one that you would like us to be on, let me know on whattheif.com, also on the front page. You can subscribe if you've not subscribed um, and you don't know how to do it within your app. All you have to do is go to whattheif.com. Right there on the front page, you will see icons for all the uh, podcast apps. Choose the one you like to use and click it and whammo, you will be subscribed. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to plug? Uh, no. No. Um... Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. <laughs> and so, knowing that nothing cannot last forever, nothing is, is that a very high entropy state or a very low entropy state? Um, uh, nothing happening will delay the increase in entropy. So, so we are actually extending the age, the, the future of the universe by right. uh, not doing things. Right. And if you are suddenly experiencing nothing, just like if you're watching a movie and suddenly nothing is happening uh, and there's no danger, you know you're in trouble. Something's coming. And so all the bubbling if, all the virtual particles in the uh, universe coming in and out of existence, knocking things around, many of those particles are ifs. Mm -hmm. They're potential things that we might, ideas we might encounter. They may be all the ifs that are coming in from all you guys that you're submitting, um, just like Tom did. And uh, how does that make you feel? If you imagine, like, if you think of all the infinite number of virtual particles coming in and out of existence simultaneously, and if all of those were an idea for a podcast show. Well, I might scream. What the if, if, if. That was the best timing for the music ever. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>